Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the fourth Sunday after Easter, we're given this college prayer. And always remember what the college prayer is and why it occurs at the very beginning of Mass. It is the prayer of intercession, not that the priest offers up, but that we all offer up, even though the priest is saying, is the prayer that we are to lift up before the Lord, celebrating this particular feast day in this season. And the prayer that we pray, listen to it again. Almighty God, who alone can order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men. Grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which you command and desire that which thou dost promise so that among the sundry and manifold changes of this world our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want you to notice the three things that we're lifting up in intercession that are in that prayer. The first is this, O oh God, Lord, help us order our will and order our affections and our passions. For there's things within us that are disordered and they are harming our soul and bringing you sorrow because they're harming our soul. The second thing we pray and grant, Lord, that we may only love the things that you love. We may love only what you love. And Lord, grant both of these things so that when our enemy and the world around us break upon us like powerful waves, our souls are secure, our souls are unmoved, and our joy is not removed. Because our true joy is found in a passion directed towards you and a life within you. This is what we pray. And I tell you today that the only way possible for what we pray today to manifest itself in our lives, to become a reality in our lives, is if our Lord Jesus Christ ascended to be with the Father. You remember I mentioned to you last week, we're turning a corner now in every message we're receiving in the Gospels where the Lord is preparing us to set our sights on His ascension. He does so again today. Unless Christ ascended, that prayer could never be answered. Jesus says to His apostles in our Gospel reading today from the Gospel of St. John in chapter 16, But now I go away to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Jesus says in order to encourage them in their sorrow at the thought of his leaving, he tells them it's to your advantage that I leave you and go away to be with the Father. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. And when he says it's to your advantage, the word really means you know, a lot more than that. 
He's telling his disciples, I leave to go to the Father because it is the absolute best thing that I could ever do for you. It is the most beneficial thing that I could give to your life that I ascend the Father and the Holy Spirit comes to you. And why? It's as if he's telling them because here on earth, in these last three years, I dwelt among you and we enjoyed such wonderful fellowship and together we saw the kingdom of God come to earth. But if I go, by the Holy Spirit, I can now dwell within you. And we can continue in an even greater fellowship together. And again, continue together to see the kingdom of God manifest in this present age. I wish I had time this morning to talk through, it's actually impossible to talk through all the benefits of Christ ascending to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit. But this morning we will look at two. St. Cyril of Alexandria mentions one of them. Listen to his words. Jesus places us in the sight of the Father by departing into heaven as the first fruits of humanity. For he ascended to heaven as a forerunner, as the inspired Paul says. There as man, he is truly the high priest of our souls, our comforter, and the coverer of our sins. And as God and Lord by nature, Jesus sits on his own Father's throne, and his glory is reflected upon us. When our Lord Jesus Christ ascended to be with the Father, we need to never forget that he kept our absolute humanity joined to his divinity, and he took it with him eternally into heaven. And even further, I love the words of St. Cyril. Christ, by doing so, places our humanity before God the Father for all eternity, that we might be healed and we might be given great mercy. If you can even just picture this, then we can't but give it a go. Our Lord Jesus Christ, even after his resurrection, appeared as one in glorified flesh. Divinity and flesh joined together. And when he ascended to be with the Father, he takes that. And he is our representative ever before God, interceding for us because every one of us is in him for eternity. For he's brought the collective humanity of all the souls that he ever created before the Father and intercedes for us in that position as our great high priest. And as he stands there before the Father with his own blood, now we can come, as, as the writer of Hebrews says, with boldness before him, with boldness before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace when we need it the most. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. This is why it is most beneficial to his disciples that he leave and ascend to the Father. And the second benefit that we'll talk about today that has everything to do with the collect that we prayed. The collect we prayed for the intercession of both our own souls, for the souls of one another, and the souls of the world outside of Christ. He says, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. One of those central revelations Christ has given his church is this. We've heard it many times. 
Because Christ our God ascended, the Holy Spirit has been sent and now dwells within us so that we may participate in the divine nature of Christ. My friends, we would do well. Hearing that phrase, participate in the divine nature of Christ, we hear it so often in the church, I fear the meaning diminishes sometimes. We are given to participate in the divine nature of Christ. We would do well all of our days to consider in our minds and our hearts and to inquire of the Lord through prayer. Lord, what does it mean to participate here in this flesh, in this life? How, what does it mean to participate in your divine nature? Because the answers that will come from inquiring of the Lord with that very question will grant us the very core of our salvation. The very core of the means by which our transformation from within is taking place by the healing work of our Lord Jesus Christ all of our days. And today we look at but one of those answers to that question as to what does it mean to participate in the divine nature of Christ. To participate in his nature, as our colleague prayer says, is to grow from within us. To grow to love the things that God loves. And to no longer have a taste an attraction, an affection for the things that are detestable to God, things that he has no taste for within himself. That is what it is to participate in the divine nature, to love what he loves and detest what he knows is so wrong for the souls that he has created. And what is detestable to God? Absolutely anything that is outside of the order of his kingdom established before the creation of the world. Absolutely anything, therefore, that causes one single soul to suffer, to be damaged, to be divided by the Lord of life. Those are the things that God detests. And all of us, every one of us, our salvation, you might think of it like this, is the long-term, the lifelong transformation of our spiritual taste buds. You know, they've proven that physical taste buds can actually evolve in people's lives. Sometimes when people, for example, move from one country to another and they're used to eating a particular type of food, they go to another country, they don't like the food at first, but their body adapts and their tastes change. The foods they desire change actually in the body. And in the same way, our salvation can be seen the same. The changing of the desires, the longings within us, they change, they adapt. They move themselves towards God as our souls are healed. Those things, again, to only love what the Lord your God loves and to detest the things that bring sorrow to the heart of God, all those things outside of his order. And the encouragement that Christ was giving to his disciples was that if I leave you, I will send my Holy Spirit to be the agent of this transformation of our desires within because he will be active in the transformation of your souls. How? The Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete will dwell within us, as the prayer says, and will convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let me sum that up for you. What does that mean? He'll convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. 
One of the greatest benefits of the Holy Spirit to every one of us in our lives, dwelling within us, is that He is the absolute plumb line given to us as a great gift in the healing of our soul and the transformation of our passions. And for those of you that don't know or might not be familiar with what a plumb line is, a plumb line is a cord with a weight at the bottom of it that builders and engineers use in the construction of the building. When the foundation has been laid and the building is being erected, the plumb line is dropped so many times in different places because the plumb line is the true line. And if the home or the building doesn't line up with the plumb line, it will not stand the test of time and it will not withstand the storms that come against us from the weathering of this world. That's what a plumb line is. It is that straight and true line. And so to put it most basically, the Holy Spirit is the constant plumb line in our lives given to us to discern in every moment of our thoughts and in our lives and our actions, is this thought or is this action something that God loves? Or is it something harmful to us that brings Him sorrow, the things that He detests? Does it line up with the very desires of God and His order? The Holy Spirit is the voice within us that is that voice of love. It is the very voice of the shepherd that's keeping us in the place of peace and safety and away from anything that seeks to devour us, leading us only by those still waters and those full and green pastures. You might think of it this way, and I encourage you to do so. The gift of the Holy Spirit to us is the gift of the divine conscience of God himself. The very thought life of God within us, where we sit with every thought and, and action that something in us is wanting to pursue. And we sit, and because the divine conscience of God is within us, we look and say, ah, now I see that, Lord, as you see that. I see that you love that. I have to be about this. I see that you detest that. I can't have this in my life. And we act from the life of the Holy Spirit from within us. It's as St. Paul says, being granted the very mind of Christ, which means being granted his wisdom and his understanding on all things that come our way. Had Jesus remained with his disciples and the Holy Spirit had not come, they and we could not have been granted this most incredible gift. And now you see why we intercede today for ourselves and others by this college prayer. And I briefly say it again, Lord, bring your order to our unruly will and affections and grant that we may only love the things that you love. So that when, not if the world, all of its temptations, all of its disorders crash upon us, our hearts, they're unmoved. They're not wavered. They're kept safe, not even bothered in the least. Rather, because our hearts are stayed in you by the mind of Christ you put in us. You who are a fortress and stronghold, we remain at peace regardless of all that's crashing around us. In contented joy within us, which is his greatest desire. You've got to understand, I wish I could say that this prayer automatically happens in the life of the believer. In the life of the disciple. It most certainly does not. It demands fellowship. Everything in our salvation demands fellowship. 
for our unruly wills and affections and passions to be transformed, for us to love the things that God loves and to remain safe in His holding throughout this life, it demands that we cultivate absolutely cultivate an active relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, one of the Trinity in our lives, to walk with Him daily in fellowship, so to recognize, begin to recognize this voice, recognize this conscience of God that we've been given within us. And for that very reason, being enabled to by the Holy Spirit is why Jesus said, this is why it's better for Christ that He go to the Father and sin that blessed Holy Spirit. For Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.